So first up, everybody needs to go to the show notes section of your podcasting app of choice. And then the very first link that Ryan will have in there for you is going to be the link to this video. So just pause the podcast for 30 seconds, watch this video, and then um, unpause and join us back here. So I'm, I'm, this, this is really upsetting because <laughs> this, this is something I've been working on for like ever since I, I started the at-home espresso thing. So there's, there's this video that I found on Reddit in the, um, I think this was in um, r slash awe, which is just cute stuff. Um, and there's this kid, like she's probably like six years old or five years old, and she's pouring a latte and looks like perfectly steamed milk and is just crushing it and doing, the, doing an amazing like very complex latte art job and like you 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 think it's done you're like oh that's pretty good and then it keeps getting better and better and better and, and it's as somebody who has been trying to do this with any level of grace and and um, efficacy it's re- really troubling can i also point out something that you might even miss on a first viewing uh sure she's she's holding the cup it's not even on a table no that's how you're supposed to do it you're supposed to because you're supposed to hold it where you again i've watched many videos of people doing this successfully but i just can't replicate it you're supposed to again put the espresso shot in the glass don't disrupt the crema then pour maybe half of the milk into it with the cup tilted at like a 45 degree angle where as you're pouring in the milk the like the actual like espresso or what's in the cup or the mug is almost about to spill out and then you gradually like put your hand like arc it so that your uh the mug is returning to a level angle as you fill it with milk so that is by design you're not supposed to be pouring latte art uh, at like while it's on your kitchen counter i did not know that um it seems like if i tried to do this i would just end up with espresso on the floor oh no the first few times you do it you don't understand how quickly you're supposed to or or, or sorry not i shouldn't say that everybody does this i'm so dumb that i did this where you kind of don't think about like how the physics work and how much you should put your hand like back so it doesn't spill out so the first few times i did it i did actually just like pour like steaming hot milk because <laughs> I, <laughs> I didn't compensate enough to do it right or sometimes i'll get like a a pretty solid pour going and then at the end i'll totally botch it and then i'll i won't have arced the 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 mug back um anyway this is this is adorable and i and i appreciate that at the end of it she's actually pretty proud of it um i mean she should be well yeah but it's also pretty pretty upsetting (laughs) ah because yeah that's (sighs) sometimes when you're doing it you will sort of kind of think like, oh, this is going really, really well. And you know, you'll get overconfident at it and then you'll just screw it up. You'll, you, you will not stick the landing or you, you won't, you won't, um, you won't nail the three. Mm-hmm. And sometimes LeBron's not there to fix it for you. Right. Yeah. Anyway, so that's it. So that, that was, we're making sure that this is a, a happy episode because it's going to be a very unhappy month. Um, so yeah, this is your little bit of cute. So maybe we'll try to, have a positive opening every, every, um, what are these things called? Weeks. <laughs> what, what is time? Uh, who, who even knows anymore? I, I, I don't. 
Um, and then, yeah, apologies for missing last week, but Jeez. you know what? We are, we, we had had a small run where we were like nailing the show at an hour and then they st- gradually started creeping back up to our usual like 90 minutes. So you know what? <laughs> it's fine. You guys will survive. There were, there were two, there were two episodes of upgrade this week. So, well, I mean, you had to, you had to start laying the, the groundwork for your 2024 campaign. So I, I get it. Yeah. I'm, st- I'm still kind of mad that you stole my, my listening tour joke. <laughs> Because again, you have to. I had to had to acquaint myself with how real America works, and right, yeah, yeah. Um, so we. I mean, I know you don't want to spend a ton of time um, on this, but maybe share a little bit about where you went. Because I don't even think I know all of the stops you made. Yeah, so I've been feeling like anxious and just wanted to get away from California for a, a anxious. Bit. Anxious about what? <laughs> Is everything like I don't like it? It's uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, but you don't, I, you don't need to explain. No, but, but but it's not even that stuff. Like I mean, I I'm I am at peace with how how fucked up and and um does not and not good of a place everything and everyone in our country is, and it's I'm that's that's not even it. But I decided I need to take some time off, and I've been having a thing where I have done that in the past, but. I will just not actually ever do anything either relaxing or productive just because there's always something else to do. So I just decided to go be somewhere that's not here for a bit. So yeah, so I took a road trip. It was about 3,000 miles in total uh, to a bunch of uh, Midwestern states, even though people generally don't call Idaho, Utah, Montana, all those states Midwestern. But you know what? I think they are. And yeah, overall, it, it was pretty fun. We visited four national parks, took a bunch of photos, uh, passed a whole b- bunch of Trump flags and yard signs. And yeah, and I'm back here. Was this kind of a last minute thing? The the time, like I've been, pl- I booked up the time about three weeks in advance, but where I was going to go or what I was going to do, that was kind of a like three days in advance type thing. Yeah, that's that's fun. I like that. Yeah, I mean Airbnb kind of came came through. Like I know that's been weird where like would do you would you feel more comfortable staying in an Airbnb or a hotel right now? I think I'd I'd be okay with either. I'm I'm starting to feel I mean things are bad, right? But I I I would say I was thinking about this over the last week or two that at least compared to like five or six months ago where we like sort of didn't even really know exactly just how to go about our daily lives safely. I feel like we have a much better grip on that now, right? Like it's staying away from people and it's wearing a mask and it, it fortunately seems like risks of like surface transmission is, is much, much lower than like, you know, transmission through the air. So, yeah, I mean, I, what I'm saying is that like staying somewhere and like touching surfaces and stuff like I've, I'm, I'm okay with that now. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I I'm still I, like hand sanitizing like crazy and all that, but you know, I get that sentiment and, and I, and I do think you're right in a lot of ways, but I feel like, and maybe this is just my perception. Like, I feel like I have more, uh, real world anecdotal evidence of a lot of this stuff, uh, just based on a number of factors. And I feel like mask adherence and just 
how responsible and and people are is maybe far lower than what you might expect like i've i feel like marin county is better than most places but it's, it it's not great everywhere you go and there's a lot of people that are just i don't i don't want to turn this into a bad thing but just i i think the whole mask thing is still not good where you have a whole lot of people doing the chin thing or the people just uh, taking uh, putting putting a mask on for like four seconds when they think they're near somebody when that doesn't really translate to the whole it lingers in the air type thing it's just people aren't good about it and it feels like not not to go all joe biden on you but it's just it's such a small thing that you could do to help protect the health of other people and most people just won't do it and that was one thing that was very on display in places that aren't northern california so you're saying you, you this would be like a reason for why you'd feel better in in an airbnb instead of like a hotel where <laughs> look at you bringing it back on track because i did not know where that was going so yeah so that was it so like yeah just because like if you let, let's say you're going to some place where people are trying to to get away and, and just going to a place where there's 60 rooms and you have a bunch of people who are probably not wearing masks in a lobby or not doing stuff like that like i feel like that's where airbnb was actually a really good idea or there were the hosts were doing the right thing and to, to to bring this around to a positive note i did stay in one of the coolest or actually i, th- I think literally the coolest and most positive experiences i've ever had on airbnb which was a uh, a thing i didn't know that existed before a yurt mm-hmm. in yeah. uh victor idaho um and it was it was the best it was designed by I don't know, like, because I'd never met the hosts because they were they were living in the house like adjacent to the yurt. Didn't really go talk to them, but um, like, it, it feels like it was designed by a nerd. It, there were there was Lutron Casita lighting Ooh. all throughout the house. Um, mm-hmm. It was very intelligently designed. There was like, you know, have you ever been to an Airbnb where there's like excessive signage, like of, of this this button does this and this does this and then don't throw that there and all that kind of stuff. Have you ever had that? Kinda, yeah. So this had that, but in the most pleasant and uh, informative way possible. Like literally everything. Like th- there was a wood stove there that I was able as as a suburb and like city person and who has never in my life ever started fire before was written in such a clear way that was and it was uh, there was firewood there. Everything was perfect about it, and I feel like Airbnb is always just such a crapshoot where. Because you, there's the whole like rating inflation thing where nobody ever is going to leave anything less than a five star rating unless like the person literally like broke in and like stole their underwear or something. Like it's it, it's kind of the same thing with Uber where or any type of rating system where everything is five stars unless like I don't know unless something catastrophically went wrong. But the, but this place was absolutely great and. I'm still thinking of how to write a positive review for it because it was one of the best. It was one of the best choices I could have made. So I guess one thing I'd I'd point out with Airbnb being a crapshoot, which which I I do totally agree with. But the thing that I would add is that I find hotels to be exactly the same way. Even hotels within the same you know major chain. I I've had huge ranges of experiences with hotels and hotels. You know either not meeting my expectations or like far exceeding my expectations. I, I mean, I know that with Airbnb, 
you can have the experiences like I had in London where like the place ended up being above a restaurant and like apparently the restaurant owners <laughs> were also the owners of the Airbnb. And so like the keys were like somewhere in the restaurant, but there was a new employee <laughs> there that night and they didn't know where the keys were. And it was like 10 PM and you, you don't get you that 2200. <laughs> you don't get that with a hotel, but I, I guess like the, the quality of the place can vary in somewhat of a similar way. I think that's kind of true. I don't know. Maybe I think maybe maybe it's because I'm more uh, frugal with travel than you are. Like you, you strike me as the kind of person who's willing to invest in like a solid three star hotel, right? Yeah, you, I mean it, it depends, like, I, I, I guess. Yeah, like I, I feel like I'm not that willing to invest a ton of money in a hotel because ultimately, if I'm traveling, I'm hoping to like not be there. Like it's it's more of a place to sleep than anything else. Where I think you like so I. Uh, when you say like it exceeded your expectations, can you give me an example of what something like that might be? You know, places where the room's a little bit bigger or a little bit nicer than you expected, or they have small little amenities like, um, you know, maybe there's a, a coffee shop in the lobby. Um, location sometimes can be a big thing where if it's a, a city that you've never been to, and you're not quite sure, you know, where a, a good place like geographically to stay would be, you know, being pleasantly surprised when you show up like, oh, hey, we're walking distance from like a bunch of cool restaurants and things. Mm -hmm. So things things like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I guess I've never really had experiences where like normally like the TripAdvisor rating will be good enough. And yeah. Like that, that, that usually does it for me, but that, that makes sense. But I think we're like on Airbnb where it's, it's just some random person. Like, cause you also have the thing where Airbnb and this, <laughs> how do I phrase this positively? One of, no, I'm just going to skip that whole topic. There's some people who, t who, who treat Airbnb as like their own, like real estate investment adventure. Have you ever had that? Where you kind of tell that this person is like their job is that they manage like six random units that they are trying to flip on airbnb and it's it's just a really half-assed and scattershot approach um i i haven't actually stayed at a ton of different airbnbs so i don't think i've had that specific thing happen to me no yeah i mean i've had like so one of the one of the one of the four that i stayed at was kind of that way where it's just it it's fine but you can just tell like i don't know it's Logistically, sometimes it's not that well thought out and, and only because of like the remoteness of the places I was going where traditional hotels wouldn't have been a better option. I don't know. Airbnb is kind of kind of weird, but sometimes you get some absolutely great ones. And that's where I don't know. But the, uh, what I'm going to take from that is, you know, go with the weird choice more often. And then, yeah, I just would have had I wish I had more time to to stay there and do stuff because, you know, it's pretty cool. So are you going to take more trips like that, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I like. I guess the thing is, like, it's gonna be at least another year before we can all do like the normal stuff. Like, so I feel like unconventional travel is kind of the only option, right? Yeah, and I mean, you got you got a nice new car, so that that's nice. Oh man, Carl came through in mm -hmm. a big way. I am. A couple of quick things. Uh, the best inventions ever are uh, smart adaptive cruise control heated seats and heated steering wheels and uh wireless carplay otherwise 
I would have driven myself insane. Yeah, so. adap- adaptive cruise control is a super underappreciated feature, I think. Like I would when, <laughs> I would yeah. never I would never want to buy another car without that. I mean, it's it's probably going to become almost standard before, you know, too long, but when when you're driving like 900 miles at a time, it is very 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 useful like yeah. i mean and, and bmw's implementation of it is really smart and well done and from a safety perspective it's like it's it's very very good so yeah that that helped a ton otherwise i would have lost my mind it's too bad you couldn't lock and unlock your car with your watch though <laughs> it's fine you know I'll, I'll i'll survive and you know what i i don't have a mini home pod to send directions actually one one thing to before we get into the apple stuff and transition out of this um and i'll probably have more to say next week when i uh when i mull some things over and edit some photos but overall i mean yeah pe- people should go go like again since you know because right now like i know you guys have your new housemate and things like that so therefore i might be projecting but like a traditional travel or vacations are probably like off the table for like a year for you guys right oh yeah i mean you know, we we haven't even gone and you know seen my family in Southern California since since the new housemate's been around. So, because yeah. I mean, right now, like I, you can you can um, uh, what's the you can you can you can gift uh your your housemate to to the um to the in laws or to the to the other parents for a bit, and you can you can go take like a um a Sonoma day or something. But you're really probably not going to do something very very far away until. That's She's that's older. been I don't know if this has been a online online thing or if this was an online offline thing or maybe neither but that's been the one thing we've done not a ton but like every once in a while during the summer is we've we've gone to a winery or two that's been like our one type of outing so Yeah because that's that that's a sensible day trip thing that you can do and it's outdoors so the yeah. risk the risk or the threat matrix whatever the, the it people say is it seems rational but in terms of like you guys like going out to being like hey we haven't been to new york and let's go see, see some shows like that's none of that type of travel where it's like entertainment and destination based seems like for most responsible people it's going to be like at least a year away yeah I, I think that's right so i guess that's where so my takeaway or, or what i would recommend to other people is Again, national parks are one of the best ideas the United States has ever had. So go go do that. For the most part, people were okay other than like again, like my, my anxiety and anxiousness and frustration about like mask uh uh adoption and things like that and like social distancing aside, like it it's it it was pretty overall pretty pretty fun. And then the one pro tip I will give people is that there's a thing from the, um, what what's the agency, department? Uh, yeah, yeah. So for the, just from the National Park Service, uh, normally when you go to a national park, it's about thirty five dollars for a week's like um, entrance fee for each private vehicle that goes in. Uh, there's a pass that the government sells that's eighty dollars that gives you a year of unlimited access to all national parks. And they also sell it at REI, and you can actually do like in-store pickup for it. So that way, you, on a, for a last-minute thing, you can just go grab it. But that's a really good cost savings thing. But also, if you're somebody who lives in California and maybe wants one less barrier to go see like Yosemite or some of the great national parks that we have, um, that's that's a good thing to have. 
So yeah, 80 bucks for a year to, for unlimited park access. Hmm. Pro tip. Yep, yep. All right. I'll uh, go back to the dock. Oh, yeah. So can, can we have uh, some... Uh, uh, can we have an update on your uh, Canadian retail friend's... Um, <laughs> Uh, his order processing of your replacement band or whatever that was. So this has been one of the stranger kind of like, I guess, return and ex- or exchange experiences I've, I've ever had. So, I mean, I think the context for all of this or the, the reason for all of this is because this is clearly Apple, clearly something Apple didn't see ahead of time. I'm like, I'm sure these bands were, thought of during a time where people would have been going into Apple stores and actually trying them on. Um, And then when that became clear, they weren't going to be able to sell them that way. You know, they tried to come up with this, you know, print at home sizing guide thing. And, and so I, I get that the process, especially for like, you know, a massive number of exchanges was, was probably not totally thought through. But so I guess where we last left this story, I had had a, you know, a, a perfectly fine, a per, um, you know, chat experience with a, a Canadian based Apple um, retail rep. Um, I only bring up the fact that he was Canadian because he he volunteered that information really for no reason. But um, but I appreciated that. He was being friendly. <laughs> it's their way. Right. Um, but. You know, he he wasn't able to provide me with really any sort of like confirmation number or like any exact timing as to like when I would be getting like an email or something. So I, I kind of left that chat thinking like, well, I'm I'm probably going to have to like follow up with this at some point. But I mean, whatever, not a super high priority thing. And so like a week later, I was actually about to um call apple just to kind of like follow up and i finally got an email that was like you know hey we're um we're processing um sending you this this new ban i'm like oh okay great and then i get another notification a couple of days later that's like oh your old your order is on hold and i thought like oh well you know i've i've heard that these um sport loops are kind of in high demand and you know, it's probably true that these replacements are like not like high priority. Like obviously Apple would, would rather sell like, you know, new bands um, or sell these bands to like new customers, et cetera. So, you know, again, not a high priority. So I thought, nah, whatever. But then like, you know, another few days goes by and like the order is still on hold. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's kind of weird. And I, I kind of happened to think about it at a time when I was away from my computer. And so I, instead of going to apple.com and looking at my order history, I looked in the Apple store app on my phone and inside the app, there was sort of a different section within the replacement order that, that you can't see online, which is like, Hey, you need to print this return label and ship us your old band before we send you the new one. Which is like totally fine, Wait, but what? it was just like... Well, no, but that that implies... What if you were somebody who had not previously used an Apple Watch? So the 
the rep that I, the Canadian rep that I spoke with, he did ask <laughs> if I had another band I could use in the meantime, which I didn't really quite understand why he was asking that, but but now now I do, um, and I you know I it's a t- it's a totally like reasonable thing, um, but I just wish you know like I would have like been emailed to do that or been able to see that on Apple's website on my laptop. But for whatever reason, that information was only showing up in the Apple Store app. So I I printed out the return label and actually just sent that um, away today. <laughs> so I think I'm I'm on the right track to get this replacement band, but uh, yeah, a very strange kind of nebulous process. Yeah, that 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 would have been good to know or or to be clearer about. But yeah, that, that's good. So I mean, uh, so wait uh, to clarify: would you, uh, if you hadn't have just like randomly popped into the Apple Store iOS app, would this have gone nowhere if you hadn't like just happened upon that? Well, yeah, it, it said that I had until I think it was October eighteenth or October nineteenth to send in my current band. So. I mean, yeah, presumably if I hadn't happened to look in the Apple Store app and not send it back by that time, they probably would have just canceled the replacement, I guess. Hmm. Um, and the only other thing that was kind of interesting, I guess, since the last time you and I have talked is that uh, Gruber came out with like his own version or kind of interpretation, I guess, of Apple's sizing guide where he overlaid... Um, the sport bands on top of the sport loop sizing guides. And he showed that basically the, all the different sizes like perfectly correspond to holes on the uh, sport band. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of out of curiosity, I, I looked to see like what mine would come back as. And actually based on his sizing guide, I ordered the right size originally. And to but, clarify, did you, do you feel that yours was too small or too large? Too large. Were you sizing up or down? I'm okay. sizing down. And you're going from seven to six, was it? Six to five. Mm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, based on the 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 you know the the placement that I normally wear in my sport band, including the way I'm I'm wearing my current sport band, would correspond to a size six, which is which is what I originally ordered. But mm-hmm. but I mean that's. That's not that's not the right size for me. So I guess there's still a little bit of uh, wiggle room, as you would say. Yeah, most definitely. It's famous. It's it's my catchphrase. It's like no malarkey. <laughs> um. Uh. Was any other thing with this was you got the Cypress Green or was that your color? I did. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you ever pull the trigger on? Uh, I think you were like waffling on that. Like, um, it's kind of it was kind of the cross between the leather loop and the uh, link bracelet. Um, yes, I do. I do have a. Um, I think it's called the leather loop. I think. No, that, or, <clears throat> that, I think that's what the old one was called. Um, let's see. God, Apple's online store is so hard to navigate. I miss Apple.com/store. Um, it is the. You're correct. It's the leather link, is what the new one is called. Yeah. Um, and yes, I do have a saddle browned leather link on order and that should be here 
uh, by the end of the month, I think. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a she sells seashells type thing. <laughs> or something that the CHP tells you to recite to make sure you're okay to drive. Right. All right. Um, on that note, actually, I'm going to step back for a minute to talk uh, to because I forgot one thing about the yurt that I had to uh, explain. The other part that made it a fantastic experience is, have you ever visited an Airbnb where there's like a, like a note card or something like a, like a welcome thing? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so there was a note, there was a little postcard and a, a welcome thing in the fridge. Can you guess? So there were two beverages. Can you guess what they might be? What was the location of this Airbnb? Oh, this was in Victor, Idaho, which is just, uh, it's about 30 miles outside of Jackson Hole. Is it offensive for me to suggest that one of them might have been potato related? No, the first Airbnb I stayed at was in much more of, it was in suburban Idaho. And that one was very potato themed. Like there was even a like a, a trio of uh, russet potato stuffed animals to the side of the bed, which was it wasn't creepy, but it was it was interesting. So it was very it was very potato themed. This but this the yurt was not. So to keep the listeners in suspense, can I actually do a tangent on your tangent? Sure. There are no rules. There are <laughs> there are definitely no rules in 2020. That's true. I forgot I forgot what the context when Darth says that is. Uh, usually when people ask him like if they can do something with food and he just says, yeah, there, there are no rules. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Please tan attention as much as you need. So what was your, like, what was your food strategy during this trip? Were you, were you grocery shopping and cooking in your Airbnbs? Were you just doing takeout? Like, like what were you doing? I, I assume you weren't eating at restaurants. I didn't have a good strategy with this. Like I did bring some snacks where I had some, because like my whole thing was I was going to be, I was going to be out exploring, getting a ton of the steps, hiking and doing that kind of stuff. And that for the most part did pan out where most of the time I was just eating like, just like cliff bars and just like water and stuff. But no, eventually I did make, um, so when I was traveling between Idaho and uh, the parks in Southern Utah, I did stop by the one Trader Joe's because apparently it's, it's like a Trader Joe's uh, wasteland in, in the Midwest, <laughs> but there was one in Salt Lake City and I could not find Salt Lake City Trader Joe's mascot. And I did not have the confidence to go ask because then I have to admit that as an adult full grown man, I am looking for the mascot that is designed for five-year-olds to keep them from bugging them when they're shopping. Anyway, so yeah. So no, I, I did sometimes just grab or try to get food to cook but a lot of the times i would just go to it's like the thing that scott simpson says where uh starbucks are like a game like in a video game they're like little save points yeah across the united states uh so yeah getting a starbucks breakfast sandwich and um a nice latte is it did it did comprise a lot of my food consumption so what did you do for like dinner uh, a lot of times that was just trying to find like a Panera or whatever was actually yeah. open. There is, and honestly, there isn't a whole lot out there. Like, cause I was staying in very, very, very rural places. So yeah, there's not, there's not a lot out there. So the food situation was not so, like, that was the one downside of a last minute trip is that I did not plan well enough for that. Um, so the food wasn't great. Well, and I mean, that that's also, you know. Well, I mean, certainly not one of the most important, but just just one of the kind of downsides to our our current situation is that well, yeah, you know, because that's normally the, you'd you'd be you just open you just fire up Yelp or something and look for like, hey, what's the cool place to to eat around here? Where that exactly? Yeah, that was absolutely not right a thing at right. all. Right. Yeah. Um. 
Okay, yeah. so the the two the two things in the refrigerator that accompanied your your note card uh, welcome note. Mm-hmm. Well, there were two um, beverages, two and beverages, I, and, I, and I was over the moon about it. So one of them has to be some kind of sparkling water. Um, plausible. Actually, let me, let me uh, while you're guessing, let me find the picture. Okay. Yeah, I would say that you've got some kind of Lacroix or or some kind of sparkling water. And then for you, I guess I'm also going to guess some kind of um, sparkling wine or something. That'd be something you'd be excited about. So no, so so close though. So this is where again, this was a this was a very well designed yurt that had smart lighting in it, and also had Spindrift and a nice uh, non heavy beer in it. And I was like, those were somehow the two most on brand and nice things to have in a fridge when you have just driven a whole lot of time and not realized how long it would take to get from the east side of Yellowstone all the way back to the other side, which is it's a very large park. That, okay, this, this is fun. I like this. I couldn't, I, like, I was just like, are you kidding me? This is amazing. And then also on the second night I was there, um, I again, I was very frustrated with how long it took me to get home and also that I hadn't seen any bears in the entire park, which was kind of one of the things I was hoping for. And then, uh, because I hadn't planned for dinner much, uh, and the liquor situation, actually, well, actually the liquor purchasing situation in Idaho and Utah is very weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, actually we'll, we'll put a pin in that and I'll talk about Utah in a second, but I didn't like you, you can't just buy it at the grocery store. So I was kind of bummed cause I was kind of stressed out that day. And then I opened up the freezer and there was, um, uh, some like craft bourbon in there as well. And I was like, this is great. And then I just got to light a fire and read on my Kindle for like an hour. And I'm like, this is the best. So yeah. So again, that's, this is why 10 out of five stars for this place. Cause sparkling water, particularly Spindrift and then just everything else is perfect. Yeah. Ra- ra- raspberry and lime, not one of the best flavors, but we'll, we'll I know let, we'll like I go. really wished it was grapefruit or somehow if they had guessed half and half, <laughs> like <laughs> I would have lost my mind. Um, but I was like the fact that it was Spindrift, I almost like went on the slack and but like boasted about it at the exact time it happened. But how was that? How was the pale ale? It was good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I'm, I'm becoming more of a beer person even though i don't i don't know like i guess the first beers well so most mainstream beer in the u.s is disgusting like you're not somebody who will ever like crack open like a coors or a no, Budweiser, right no 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 i don't understand how those are popular like I, I i'm not i'm much more of a wine and like traditional liquor person than beer even craft beers but like regular beer is disgusting yeah, I've bec- I've I've become a little bit of a beer snob. Uh, and I mean and I mean I mean no offense, but haven't you always kind of been? Like you've always been like you like so like don't you have like your beer rating app and you kind of like your you like uh, it's kind of me and like hipster coffee shops. Like you kind of like your specific like roasteries and your I do. specific like brute like you you like yeah. your Deschutes and your other places, right? Yeah, no, I think, yeah, I guess, I guess it's been around maybe a little longer than I'm giving it credit for, but I guess especially during the pandemic when a lot of places which historically have not offered any sort of like shipping options, you know, now have because, you know, people aren't able to actually 
physically come to their tap rooms. And so I've been, you know, been ordering primarily from, from local places that I really enjoy. And, you know, I, I've also kind of mixed in some just, you know, Safeway or whatever, bought beer um, every once in a while. And yeah, I'm just, I'm finding that the, the non-craft stuff's just not, not doing it for me as much anymore. Yeah, good. I mean, you got to find what you like. Um, where is it? Oh, so, so Utah. Um, so yeah, stopped in the land of Mitt Romney. Not, not, not a fan. That there were the most Trump signs, and uh, oh, there's, there's, there's a lot about Utah. It's yeah. Um, but the main thing is that so I had to had to Google it because so much of it didn't make sense. So grocery stores and restaurants are not allowed to sell liquor that is more than like 4.1% alcohol by volume. Yeah, we've so my experience with this has been, you know, for years I went on this this houseboat trip in at, at, at Lake Powell, so which is actually in Arizona or well where we get on the boats in Arizona and but most of the lakes in Utah, but at that point you're on the boat so it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Um but the the drive from we would usually fly to Las Vegas and then drive the rest of the way. And so the drive from Las Vegas to um Page, Arizona, where you get on the boat. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the fifteen. Uh huh. Yeah, it takes you through uh Utah. And there was one year where I don't really remember exactly why, but we, we were we were looking to buy some more alcohol. I, maybe we didn't find what we were looking for originally or something. And so we stopped at some place and I think Hurricane. I think yeah, I yeah. think that yeah, that was yep. that was in Utah. Mm-hmm. And went into a, I don't know, Albertsons or something. And yeah, we're like looking around the alcohol section going like, huh, like there's just, there's just not much here. Um, and then I think, I think we did exactly the same thing. I think we, we like Googled it and it was like, oh yeah, that you, you, in a grocery store in Utah, you can't buy anything that's more than, what, I think, what did you say? 4.7 or whatever it is. Uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah, so you... <laughs> Utah has very outmoded um uh liquor laws. So the 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 natural like the next step of thinking with that is well okay so do they just not actually sell like wine or anything in the states but no they they do. So there is um they have what are called uh basically they have like state run liquor stores which are called um uh, so the Utah Department of Alcoholic Beverage Control. So there are uh, many DABC stores, which are basically um, like DMV BevMo's. And it's really, really depressing. Like it, it makes drinking seem super shameful. Like because so the one I went to in Salt Lake City was uh, it was in like the basement section underneath a uh, whatever a Smithfield foods is. And it's like, it's, it's lit exactly like the DMV. The prices are terrible. Like, are you familiar with Corbell? Sparkling wine. Mm-hmm. It's a good, I mean, again, cause we're, we're in Northern California. I mean, the Corbell, um, I've, I've, I've been, is, I've been to the Corbell winery. Yeah. yeah it's, it's only about 50 miles away up in, um, it's near Guerneville, I think. It's, yeah, it's like Forestville, Guerneville. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like near the Russian River. Yep. Um, normally, maybe I'm just spoiled by Trader Joe's prices, but Corbell's, a sol- it's a solid pick at $9.99. Right. It was $16.99 here. Mm-hmm. 
the prices are terrible and it just makes it like it was just it's just so weird and gross and it was it was really i don't know it's just kind of like is why is this the hill that utah is dying on i i i, I do not know well and, and i also, you know, oh go ahead go ahead no no you you first no no i think you were about to say something problematic so go for it i, I was um you know not not to because again we're, we're making this a happy show so not to get too political on you but I know what you're gonna say We'd love to square how conservatives who were all, you know, hands uh-huh. off, you know, no government control. Um, but only only when it comes to morality and women's bodies is yeah. the part where they do draw the line. That's that's when it's really fucking important for them yeah. to take an active stance of what government can do. Mm. Uh, again, <laughs> I've got a, I got a lot of notes about. Yeah, again, this week I'm going to mull over a lot of stuff. This, where guy, this I, is where this is where I really miss our our pico dinners. This would have been oh, because after two graveyard shifts, I would <laughs> say what I actually think about stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, the DABC stores were were weird, and I I didn't yeah just didn't didn't care for it at all. But the other part is that they don't sell and again, not that I generally buy beer in those situations, but they they don't sell six packs of beer. So what you have to do is they have, because obviously like breweries and and beer makers are not gonna just sell loose beer for people in the state of Utah. So you have to go in and just like rip open like six and twelve packs of beer if it's not already open, and you just put like you just make your own like you just, you have to buy beer loose. Hmm is so weird and 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 upsetting and i just i don't get it because maybe i like maybe it's just because i've always lived in california where just the fact that there is an alcohol section in that's fairly like nice in most and it's just it's just not a weird thing in in california is i don't know it, it seeing it treated differently was strange because i know canada does something similar where when i was in vancouver um and on there's a couple there's a Canadian pod uh, comedy podcast I listen to where they do make or they 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 make light of the um the government run liquor stores but like it was just, it was just so so weird and also the fact that if you because some breweries do want to be carried in grocery stores because of, there's this well it's it's intentional but there's a stigma about having to go to a government run liquor store where certain like beer makers will water down or make like special ones just to sell in Utah grocery stores that meet that weird limit. Huh? So strange. Yeah. I, the only time I've really experienced this firsthand was when I was in Sweden. It's, Hmm. it's totally government run there where I don't think, I don't think you could buy liquor of any kind actually outside of a, a government run run store. And it wasn't quite as bad as like a DMV, but you know, they were very, very just like basic stores. Their hours were extremely limited, including, I don't think they were open at all on Sundays. And I think they were only open until maybe like two or 3 PM on Saturdays. Can I say something problematic? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So Utah is kind of like, just as a state, it's kind of just like one gigantic Chick-fil-A because everything is closed on Sundays. And like in going along with the Chick-fil-A thing of like, just like the whole morality thing, like it it was very strange where almost everything because of the um, heavy religiosity of the 
state. Yeah, almost everything is closed on Sundays. And the stuff that is open is always weird stuff. I don't know. It, it was very strange. And I just sent you a picture of the world's saddest um, sparkling wine section. Where, yeah. So, sorry, I, I misspoke. The Corbell was sixteen ninety nine. So, it was... You're the, you're the math person. That's 70% more than um, wow, yeah. what it costs. Mum, which again, I mean, it's a step above Corbell. I mean, but that's normally $17 at the Safeway. But yeah, this this was the saddest wine buying experience I've ever had in my entire life. What kind of like, what kind of display are these bottles on too? Like, is this it like... It looks like a Payless Shoes mixed with a, with a DMV. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> Very strange. Yeah, I did not care for it at all and and they just again also like i guess again just spoiled with the trader joe's where they have like whoever they're the like the people they have in charge of like sourcing and having a good mix of like beer and wine like the selection was terribly lacking so i don't know hmm. oh apparently the uh utah department of alcoholic beverage control is on twitter and they've got a thousand seventy six followers a reminder, all DABC state liquor stores will be closed on Monday, October 12th for the Columbus Day holiday. All stores will close on Saturday, October 10th because it's Sunday. Yeah. Plan accordingly. Okay, can you, let me send a link to this so you can put this in the show notes because that is the most ridiculous tweet I have ever seen. I'm sorry, what we were talking about sport loops? Uh, yeah, re- replacing sport loops, yeah. Anyway, so again gonna put a link to it I, anybody who's listened to the show go to victor idaho and stay at this yurt because it's it's the best thing ever um you can hear uh you can hear cows mooing all night um okay so ios 14 widgets i'm not running ios 14 so i believe this is all you so i mentioned either the last show we did or maybe the show before that um that i was giving widgets in ios 14 a try but I was kind of keeping them off on the side. So on, on a page to the left of my of my home screen, where I just had kind of the traditional grid of apps. But, you know, something that occurred to me over the first couple of weeks of using iOS 14 is that I really don't even have a full page worth of apps that I use like on a day-in, day-out basis. So, you know, I think I had talked about before that I had gotten it to, you know, everything that was on page two or beyond just got moved into the app library, which is actually pretty nice. But even that first or only page that I was left with still kind of had more app icons than what I really needed. So I decided to throw in a couple of um, widgets to kind of see what that would look and feel like for a while. And so that's been been a handful of days now. And I, th- I think I kind of like it. Um, so the, the two that I'm playing with now are a smart stack, um, which, you know, Apple recommends some to you, but you can also create your own. And this is where... So that's that's multiple widgets that kind of unfold. It's like a widget folder, sort of. Yeah. So you, you, you can combine widgets so long as they're all widgets of the same size. Um and you can you can put I don't know if there's a limit to the number you can have in a stack, but I've got three in my stack, which is currently uh, Carrot Weather, Fantastical, and Streaks. So that's my smart stack, which is at the 
top of my iPhone and basically takes up, I guess, the equivalent of like two rows of, of icons. And then below that, I'm actually using a widget that I totally dismissed at first when iOS 14 came out, but which Mike recommended on Upgrade, which is the Photos widget. And I actually do access my photos quite a bit. It was an app that I had on my home screen before iOS 14. And so, you know, having some type of quick way to access photos on my home screen made sense. And so I thought, well, I'll I'll listen to Mike and and give this a try. And this widget's pretty simple. It it basically just kind of surfaces random photos to you periodically throughout the day. So real quick, are you uh, you put a screenshot in the in the Slack? Are you going to feel comfortable letting people see that? I guess there's no there's no um, opsec information in there, other than people realizing that you read the post. (laughs) Um, Because the reason I I bring this this in the thing, the reason I bring this up is that I I do like that. So yeah, so that that's one thing that I I still haven't upgraded to iOS 14, and you can give me an update on whether it's pretty stable um, later on, but. Uh, you have a four by four widget of your photos app, and I do like that it's got a really stoic picture of your dog uh, with the with the um, uh, tagline in nature. So that that's a fun one. <laughs> I'll, I'll admit that I did wait to send you a screenshot until, until there until there's a dog picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um. But yeah, it, it's it's fun because it it refreshes you know a handful of times a day. And it actually, it has surfaced some photos that I haven't seen in a long time, which is kind of neat. Um, so yeah, I, I think it it um, adds a little bit of just fun to your home screen. It's, it's probably not like the most utilitarian use of space, but but I think that's okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, I think like the, well, like if we... Well, the widget stuff is is like problematic is the wrong word, but I feel like people like because it's so new and it's kind of it's kind of a rebellion thing because Apple has kept the home screen the same for literally a decade. So I think some people are going overboard with it. But the photos one I think is really really fun because do you leave the notifications on from the photos app or sometimes it'll just say like here are some memories from whatever. I do, and I'll also do the the long press thing where you can see photos from exactly a year ago. Mm-hmm. I like doing that every once in a while. Yeah, I sometimes like that, and I sometimes sometimes it will send you due to various factors. It'll send you kind of some bummer ones because well, there's not really true. Um, there's not really like it doesn't really know. Um, yeah, yeah, no, uh, not, but, not a memory you wanted surfaced. Yeah, no, I I I feel that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I do like the fact that it's allowing a bunch of people to rediscover old photos because I because I do leave that on and also because I, as like, as an alternative thing for like all my fancy camera photos I have that Amazon Photos thing that we've discussed at length turned on and actually we didn't talk about it on the show but uh, like a month ago it sent me um, a reminder that Steve Jobs had died uh, a decade earlier that's kind of a bummer but mm-hmm. those things where it'll kind of remind you like today i just got one that said hey two years ago you were in paris doing x y and z so i th- i find those things really fun and i think devoting a small amount of your home screen to rediscovering old memories especially in a time where nobody's really doing the fun stuff that they used to is that's that's really good use of real estate mm-hmm. what i will criticize is that 
man, you and Jason and a lot of other people are so into the weather. And I, and I would love for you to explain more about why the weather is worth so much screen real estate. Well, so again, that's part of a smart stack. So weather is not the only thing that appears there. Well, then, so, so I'm not running iOS 14. So I guess how does a smart stack work? Because I, I assumed a smart stack would be, it would look more like a folder where it wouldn't actually. So what happens when you tap on the carrot weather thing that's in the screenshot? It, it just opens carrot weather. Well, so then how is it a stack? So you can swipe up or down and it'll oh. switch between the other apps that you have in the stack. It will but, also. But there's, no, but there's no visual indication. You would have to know what is part of that stack. Otherwise, it looks like it's just one thing. Correct. Yeah. Got it. Um, it, it also makes attempts to surface what it thinks will be the most relevant app for you at the time that you're unlocking your phone. So, you know, sometimes I unlock my phone and it's Fantastical that surfaces first. Sometimes I open my phone and it's Carowether. It seems to be somewhat random, but, um, but yeah, the, either app is just a swipe or two away. Got it. Um, but, you know, I guess like in terms of answering your weather specific question, I mean, it, th the weather has been crazy, <laughs> let's say the past, uh, God, month, month and a half, um, including, you know, like, you know, if, if I want to go out for a walk or something like there are times of the day where it, it's too hot to do that. So seeing that information is is nice. Okay, and and again, to each their own. That's that's cool. But I I, I guess just just my personal belief would be like, why why wouldn't somebody just have like a link to the weather app where you can get even more? You would get an entire screen worth of detail versus devoting the space of eight apps. But I mean, if it, well, actually, the, I guess the last question I would have is, how frequently does this update? Like, it, it does it be if it's taking up that much space, does it give you data that's updated like every minute and is super accurate, or is it one of those things where you have to open the app to get the freshest stuff because like i would assume apple would they're always very conservative with like the battery life and how quickly something can refresh yeah they are but um this is actually part of like carrot weather's like premium subscription offerings so where you can have like more real-time um refreshes and so I, i'm on not their highest tier but one of the subscription tiers and it, it seems to update pretty regularly got it um, I mean, the thing for me with this this setup that you're looking at, which which will also be in the notes, is that again, like I just I don't have a ton of apps that I'm accessing all the time. So like it, it, having the screen real estate taken up by a widget like is is not replacing anything that I'm otherwise accessing a lot. So so then there's a question here. So and this is not going to turn into like a um... Uh, screen comparison thing but once this finishes loading like i guess like how many home screens do you have just just one so you so you are all in on app library mm -hmm. yep so i have my home screen which is which is what you and the listeners will be be able to see there is a screen to the left of this which just has a bunch of other widgets because that's all that screen does now um and then when you swipe to the right, that brings you to App Library. Yeah, I, I for another week, I have so many questions with how, like, and, and this is this is a positive thing where where how you can run with so few 
apps at hand is very is very interesting so we'll, i mean like what's we'll, we'll like the, what i guess maybe as like a preview like what's what's missing from here everything um i don't know why my uh why ios is oh it's cuz my phone doesn't have great battery life right now so it's it's not anyway yeah we'll 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 tangle it or doodle or it or whatever the thing merlin used to say oh there it goes uh for next week of a home screen comparison uh because I, this this confuses wait oh then no okay well it's going in uh the podcast ideas channel but <laughs> i don't know just yeah you you're your oh, your home screen God, is very... you have ugh, you have folders uh, i the yeah yeah your your lack of folders is terrifying the crap out of me <laughs> Yeah, that I, I the, the your presence of folders, particularly on your home screen, is troubling. As is what we've talked about before, which is you inexplicably leaving two two app you need, icons. You need the thumb space. You oh need the thumb space. And also, where's your where's your two factor authentication app? Where's your easy access to Hue lights? And the home app doesn't count. Okay, why well, doesn't the home app count? Well, we'll save this for another week. The home app is arguably the best way to access your Hue lights. Yeah, it, wait, do you, is it was one password one of your icons? I let me go back. How is what? That's the, I guess that's the thing where it seems like there's some crucial apps like one password and your two factor. That's the stuff that confuses me that that's not there. So, one password is is the one app here that I have found myself having to get out of app library a little more often than I'd want to. So it's. It's probably going to replace um, Pandora on this screen. And also, you don't have the... Because uh, uh, you can have custom app icons for Pandora, and you have just the plain boring one. So, yeah. Gotta get on that. Um, and also, you're giving me crap for having the reserved thumb space of two icons. You have four icons vacant. So No, you can't... You, I can't... There's no more no more apps fit in the screen there wait what why that's just a gaping hole why that that's just the way the the formatting works with the with the widgets on there i guess weird yeah you can't you can't fit another row of of icons below there if you try to add another icon it goes to the second screen interesting okay so so rounding off this topic so i still haven't upgraded to ios 14 it seems like because the the phones that we're about to talk about aren't going to ship for a while and, and therefore, I I won't be able to wait for fourteen point one. Has have there been any stability issues? Like, should I upgrade? I was I was worried that this was going to be like a thirteen situation where that was a really messy upgrade for a while. How's the stability of fourteen? It's been fine. Yeah, I've had no no trouble. Okay. Um. All right, and then real quick so actually let's let's pull this forward um this was like from five minutes ago you mentioned something about it. oh yeah so the weather has been really hot and it's been really weird recently and we're about to have another heat wave and um uh northern california is under red flag warnings again so you have doubled down on the truly LG, truly and <laughs> and literally doubled down yeah on the lg 1519 ivsm or whatever it's called mm-hmm. did i get that right no i did not probably not <laughs> <laughs> ouch it's Wait. it's it's a weird model number yeah i typed it in and it's uh, that model number is a uh range it's a, it's a kitchen range so no 
anyway so the the fancy air conditioner that is the wire cutters top pick or it's the upgrade pick for portable air conditioners which we both got um and have been fairly happy with apparently you have decided to go all in on the lg lifestyle and you bought a second one i did why uh well so there there were two well, other things than having multiple rooms that want to be cold yeah so so yeah that that's one of the reasons um but no that the two specific things that have happened are number one um madeline the the new the new housemate she is sleeping in her own room now um so that's that's what really required this second room to be um cooled because obviously when she was sleeping in our room we just we had the the first unit that we bought just in our room and that was all we needed but when she moved to her room with the weather continuing to be into the 90s well into October now um we we knew we needed a a second one for her room and then the the timing also came down to something that you had brought up to me which was the Chase pay yourself back program ah uh-huh, you cashed it in yeah I'm so proud of you. Uh, we actually, I don't, I guess we haven't talked about this on the show. I I actually ended up cashing in a, a bunch of points. Yep. Because you're not going anywhere. Like it's, 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 a, it's, it makes no sense not to take it, take advantage of it. Right. And we've, you know, we've been doing um, a lot of work around the house the past couple months and mm-hmm. that, that happens to be one of the categories. So, so is, is this still going? As I far know, as you know? It, it, no, it expired September 30th. Okay. But you said so to we, bring people up to speed, there was a there was a thing where because anybody who has the Chase Sapphire Reserve card, where the whole point of it was that you could get three times redemption or sorry three times uh, uh, points on travel, and you could redeem said ultimate reward points for a one point five x multiplier. Right. It was a great travel card, but since nobody's able to do that anymore, um, that stuff was basically all worthless for a card with a very hefty annual fee. So in like June or July, Chase came out with a thing where you can, quote, pay yourself back for purchases you've already made. And then home improvement stores was one of the categories that you could do that with. And then um, because that's where I think that's kind of the easiest place to get the LG air conditioner from, um, you could retroactively apply those points and basically get the air conditioner at a one third discount. I think that's how the math works. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, for whatever reason, Home Depot wasn't stocking it at the time that we bought our our second one a handful of weeks ago. But um, Lowe's had it. Um, oh, so, so we went to Roner Park. I know free free shipping. Oh, yeah. Oh, poor UPS guy. I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I know. I I was sitting here in the office and actually saw. I like the part was, where you're you're laughing, but you have you're there was like no second part of the story where it was like no that just sucked. I know I because I I saw him take it out of the truck and and bring it up our driveway. No, that yeah, I feel I feel I feel for that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so now we are now living a multi portable mm-hmm. air conditioner lifestyle and and fortunately which i think is something you had a little bit of experience with when you were setting up yours fortunately we the way that our rooms are wired one of the outlets in madeline's room is on a different circuit than because i don't think we'd be able to run two of these on the same circuit i've never tried but i, I don't think that would work 
No, like that was, that was the whole thing where I have to, I had to go and do a bunch of testing to find out which like 15 amp circuit I could run that was like a standalone out of the kitchen that would not trip the breaker because it on like power up, it would take so much electricity. So if you're sharing it with too many things then running two that consume that much power would be, would be difficult. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, so yeah, we've got two of these things now. It's a little unclear where we're going to store them um, starting in a couple of weeks when ho- hopefully we don't need them for a while. I have an idea. Hmm. Right. Or, or, or I mean, it's a kind of a novel idea. But oh, build, build a shed? Have you considered it? I don't know. Like, I hear people, <laughs> I um, hear people use those. I wouldn't rule it out. The problem, though, is that the the sheds at least the ones that i have which are admittingly not like the nicest uh, or the most expensive they're not watertight so putting a you know relatively expensive portable air conditioner or or two of them perhaps um doesn't seem like the best idea i'm sure you could find a waterproof one and if you're low on space you can always put the shed right on the the front yard (laughs) i assume the wife would love it uh there there is actually a house there's a house in my neighborhood where, again, I, I I don't know if we've talked about it, but the the I I think you guys might be soulmates. He has three sheds in his front yard, and I don't know. And there's two that I can see when I walk by the house that are kind of in like the side. I don't even know what's going on in the backyard. So I think you guys might need to to link up and and trade shed stories. But again, the the front yard is is untapped. It's it's fertile ground. There's a house that's on the street behind us. It's the, it's the exact same model house as ours. Um, where like so like the neighborhood that I'm in, the houses are not particularly big, but the lots the houses are on are pretty good size. So like we have you know a, a decent amount of yard space both in the front and the back. And so this house, which is this, again the same model as ours, in the front actually has a has a shed in their driveway but it's one of those like really fancy sheds like this one is is clearly custom and the reason i know that is because they designed it to basically look like the house so like it it stylistically and color palette wise matches the house so it it sort of kind of looks like an add-on to the house but it's in their front yard. Um, and as as much of a shed enthusiast as I am, which I think has maybe even been a show title before, or if it's not, it, it definitely should have been. I'm I'm vehemently opposed to sheds in the front yard. I I don't I don't care for that at all. Sheds need to be in your side yard or in your backyard somewhere that's that's not visible from the street. Seems like a very Utah approach. I'm kidding. Uh, so, sorry, what was supposed to be the show title? What was the thing? Shed Enthusiast? I think I, I, can, I, can, I can actually, I can look to see if that's been. No, I, I think you. Shed you, Skyscraper, episode 233 from May 27th. That's the only episode title we have that has the word shed in it. Yeah, I feel like the, whenever we have a premium tier of this show, we should have a thing where people get to see all the uh, rejected show titles. Cause I think there, there's some real winners in there, but there, <laughs> there can only be one. Um, yeah. I think that might be a superhero thing, but yeah, you, you make it, you make it tough um, many weeks where there, there's a handful of good ones. Yeah. I mean, the distribution of work that we have is, I don't know. I'm, I'm doing the heavy lifting. 
I'm toiling away in, in TextMate trying to think of something creative to write. But um, all right. So was there anything else? Oh, okay. So before we hit the Apple event, which will actually probably be fairly quick because we're going to skip over all the confusing stuff. Um, I think there was one other bit of uh, weather slash fire slash disaster follow-up. You, you sent me a picture, uh, I think a week and a half ago, of um, there's some like big power generator or battery backup thing you had talked about getting um, in the spring that had the option of being solar recharged, but I don't think you had opted for that at the time, but I think that has changed. Correct. So the the EcoFlow um, power station, I think is what, what this product is called. Um, you know, you can plug it into the wall and have it charged that way. That's That's the way that you kind of keep it charged and ready to go at all times. But obviously, in the event of an extended power outage, that that wouldn't be an option. And so one of the things that um, EcoFlow sells directly are solar panels that you can, you know, connect to the unit to to recharge. But the ones they sell are portable solar panels, which means they can be folded up in a, into a pretty compact size. But that makes them extremely expensive. I think the, the EcoFlow one, um, which is 110 watts is like 400 bucks and you to have the power station recharge in a reasonable amount of time you would basically need at least three of those because if you only have one or two it takes like some totally unrealistic amount of time to to recharge like literally a dozen or more hours um but it turns out that solar panels, for the most part, basically just have a standard connector. <laughs> There's like the the USB equivalent, I guess, of, of of solar panel connectors. It's like an MC4 connector or something like that. Oh yeah, so, MC4. <laughs> so so anyway, the the EcoFlow ha- totally just has a port on it that's like. Hey, this is where you connect solar panels to. And whether that's ours or whether that's a third party one, it just doesn't really matter. So there's a ton of third party solar panels out there, um, which are way, way cheaper. I, I bought three 100 watt solar panels for less, well less than what one of those units cost directly from EcoFlow. Uh, and, and they're not you know, they're not portable, so they don't fold up. But guess what? Those are going in the shed. So um, <laughs> so you know, no no big deal with with storing those things. Um. So yeah, I I tested it out the other day. I actually did um, another part of the test that I so I, I took the photo of the actual you know solar panel setup to make sure that was working. But the the thing I had to do before that was I had to drain down the power station a bit so i had i had to you know run something on it for a while so i actually plugged in one of the um the lg air conditioners into it how does that even that that actually says a lot where i know no no i i know this thing can it can power just about anything um, it outputs a ton of power so it, it it totally powered that lg um air conditioner like no problem um but 
from a fully charged state, it would only run the that air conditioner for like 50 minutes or something. That um, sounds plausible. That's actually pretty impressive. Yeah, I wanted it was a great way to to quickly um, drain the battery, which is what I needed it to do. Um, it's the it's the equivalent of have you ever had to run down the a battery on a laptop and you just open up Google Chrome for a bit? Right. Yeah. Um. So I so yeah, I did that and then set up the solar panels to to make sure those worked and they totally did. You you set them up in a series, so you've got three panels. They're all connected to each other, and then you know they're then connected to the 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 power station. And I bought kind of an extension cable thing so that the power station can be inside while the solar panels are in the backyard. And yeah, it it works. So I'm now I'm now prepared for um, even an extended power outage. But I, I I think I've I know I've said this to the the lady friend, and I may have even said this on the show. I hope I never have to use any of this stuff. That would be perfectly fine by me. But I know it's there now, which is kind of the whole point. Yeah. And if we have another seven day power outage, you'll be you'll be a pal and you'll run a USB C cable outside for me. Sure. Yeah, just you got you gotta stay six feet away. Yeah, I have got a thirty <laughs> foot. Um what was the question I had? Oh, is it possible so like let's say you had a really long power outage. Is it possible to like I know not under full load, but could you if the battery's empty, are you able to run it off? Like, can the the generator thing or the battery backup directly translate like solar power to power stuff up? Like, sorry, can can it be generating power so. and sending power? Or I don't can, think so. Got it. I think I think if it's charging, I don't think it outputs power. Yeah, that that makes sense. But that's kind of a bummer. But that that makes sense. But overall, like, if this was not powering a very power hungry device. It's supposed to. How many kilowatt hours is it? I mean, I think it, it, I, I forget what the exact number is, but I think like a refrigerator, it can power for like eight to fourteen hours or something. Um. So on for for most uses, it, it it would it would basically last you know like through the evening and night, which is which is kind of when you know you usually need the most electricity with with lights and things and then during the day it could it could recharge that's the idea yeah cool i'm glad it worked out all right apple event uh yeah let's um we'll blaze through this there's not a lot there yeah it, there's simultaneously a lot there well so but well, also let's, not let's, a lot Let's let's get rid of the easy stuff. Okay, so again, the event it was an hour similar to the um, the watch and iPad event that I never watched. Um, I never, I actually never ended up watching that either. Yeah. First Apple event in a long time. I've I've not actually seen. Yeah, I mean, this one was really important though, and I had a I had a Swedish guest. Um, so this started with the HomePod, where there's a new version called the HomePod Mini, which is ninety nine dollars, which I think was kind of the headlining part of the event. It's a thing that looks a lot like the the new just recently released um echo dot which kind of the whole shape of and this was this may be something i'm stealing from mike on upgrade but there's kind of this change where we're going away from cylinders to balls in terms of um voice assistance so yes the new echo dot and this new homepod mini are just kind of just spheres 
So this one, it's smaller than the, the original HomePod, but it's also a third the price. You can do the same, you can do all the same stereo pairs stuff as before, but just the audio is not going to be as high quality. But a lot of it is, is that they talked about was like software smarts where you can now use HomePods as like intercoms. There have been some enhancements to um, like the walkie talkie app and CarPlay to kind of uh, bridge that gap. Um, did HomePods before not have the ability to differentiate who was speaking to it? So they have, and that was one of the weird things about the HomePod mini presentation is that it was a mix of things that are new and a mix of things that it already does that I guess they're improving. Cause even like handoff, which is what they, um touted as being kind of the first use of the u1 chip like that's you can already do handoff with the current home pod and with current iphones without the u1 chip um but i guess it's it's better with the u1 yeah i mean yeah so i mean that, that makes that makes some level of sense but um yeah I mean, a lot of it's, it's just enhancements and hopefully siri gets better because i don't remember if that was a big part of ios 14 but you know because nobody ever had a complaint about the home pod other than the fact that siri as a voice assistant is generally not that great and that the home pod was super super expensive so i mean i will say the part that i'm surprised about is that 99 dollars feels like it's an appropriate price but it feels aggressive for apple who always overvalues how much their stuff is worth because this felt like if they were going to do a stripped down version of the HomePod, that one forty nine or one ninety nine was going to be the likely price point. But ninety nine dollars feels better. Yeah, the the price is is surprising and definitely the most interesting part of this product. Yeah, you because know, keep in mind, like, how much does the Apple TV four K cost? That that still starts at two hundred dollars, I think. So right, right. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's neat. Um, like if I wasn't all in on the Echo lifestyle and I was an iPhone user, like, I mean, I would give this much more of a consideration than I would have previously. Um, like, I mean, I still prefer the Echo because Siri is not very good. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a much more interesting product and it feels like Apple is putting more of their, more of their ass into it. Which is... Well, which, that that that's that's the thing that makes the HomePod a total non-starter for me as someone that has you know four different lady in a can devices in the home through through Amazon like there there would be nothing better about replacing those with HomePods and in in most ways it would be worse because I find the lady in a can to be better than Siri for most questions and tasks. Um, and then with the home kit stuff or with, with just smart home stuff, you know, Amazon's um, ecosystem of smart home stuff is way bigger and broader than um, Apple's. Yeah, so I, I feel like you should probably DM Mike then because he actually, and I, and I, I've literally laughed in the car when I heard this, where he was talking about how the echoes have difficulties dealing with two home bridges. Oh, two, two Hue bridges. Yeah. 
And, well, and he, you know, his situations, like, I know, well, his was I kinda, two different locations, two different locations. Yeah. Yeah. But then he's like, I think he's like, somehow I think the home pod's going to solve that. I'm like, nope, go, go get a habitat and house. So no, no. So in, in Mike's defense, it totally does. So if, if I was using, uh, if I was all in on the Siri and home pod lifestyle, I would not need that habitat because HomeKit does natively support two Hue bridges. No problem. So like when I'm in the home app, it seamlessly works. It's just the Amazon stuff where two Hue bridges doesn't work. But then, but his thing was that it was like office and home. So how would it know, or would you just have to be very precise about saying, turn on the office lights? Well, as, as someone who does not have smart home stuff in more than one location, I can't answer that. All right. So, I mean, I think that's it for the HomePod. So there's nothing ad- addressed with the existing model. So again, this one uh, is new, $99, a little bit smarter, um, much more aggressively priced. And other than the intercom, were there any other standout features or that's pretty much it? Well, but I, I mean, I, I wouldn't even call the intercom a standout feature because that totally epitomizes the type of feature i think where it's a cool demo but whether it would be practical like because i mean like you know the amazon stuff's had that forever and i mean you know granted i don't have a very large home but like i've never once used that or thought to use that the one difference that i will mention and i'm actually talking myself out of this being a cool feature so the We'll see how it goes, but is that it's built into the phone as well. So like if you were on the drive home and wanted to say, Hey, I'm like, let's, let's, let's pretend your housemate has aged 10 years in the time that we're giving this example, but you want to say like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm about to drive up, come outside for soccer practice or something. But I'm also now thinking, why not just text this person? So never mind. Yeah. It, it, I guess yeah. it is one of those things where like kind of like, because you remember like rich people in the nineties where they would build like the in wall, like, and this was always like a thing on sitcoms where you'd have like that in wall intercom thing. Right. Like, I think that's what, an idea that's ne- was never actually really a thing that tech companies keep trying to build into it where there's almost a like a, there's 8,000 other products or messaging services or things that are a more effective way to, to do that. Yeah, and, and like the, I mean, the example they used about like getting ready to like leave the house and like you know trying to get everybody's attention, like, hey, it's time to leave. Like, like in my house, there's no way that it wouldn't just be faster to just walk to whatever part of the house that that the people were and just say, hey, it's time to go. Because mm-hmm. by the time you know, I would try to invoke the Siri command and then have it not work and then do it a second time. It yeah, it just wouldn't you know. Well, the the demo always works. Um, actually, can I say that there was one thing at the very end of the presentation that was that was news to me. I didn't know that the HomePod didn't really support any third party music services. Oh I th- yeah, I thought that. I thought that. Like, I knew that was a thing initially, but I thought that had already been resolved. But I guess what I had in my head was the other way around where apple music has come to other devices um, uh-huh. but but yeah but the homepod stuff has been exclusive to or has been locked into apple music so which i mean the homepod is already such a lame product but like learning that i was like oh geez oh yeah it's pretty, pretty shitty of apple right yeah yeah so 
Yep, right in their wheelhouse. Um, yeah, one iOS 14 question real quick. Mm-hmm. I know they'd made the thing where you can um, change your like default browser and email client. Do you know if they made it so that you can make Google Maps the default across the system, or is mapping not one of those things? I don't. I don't know if mapping is one of those things. I think it might just be web browser and email. <sighs> okay. Because uh, no, that, that on the road trip was one thing where Apple Maps. Anytime I tapped on an address, Apple Maps kept opening, and it was very, very upsetting. iPhones. So this was the bulk of the presentation. There were. Two lines of iPhones announced. Uh, there was the iPhone 12, because iPhone mini is not its own thing. It's the iPhone 12 mini, right? Yeah, correct. I mean, it, it's, I mean, Apple said this in the presentation. It is, it is exactly the same phone as the iPhone 12, just in a different screen size. Yeah. So, so two main lines. So there's now the iPhone 12, which includes the iPhone 12 mini, and then the iPhone 12 Pro, which includes the Pro Max. So the 12 is basically the iPhone 11. I'm not sure that's the best way to explain it. So the 12 is the phone that starts at $700 now. The 12 mini starts at 600 and we're not going to get into that whole $30 carrier discount because the the carrier situation in all of this on this model releases is so strange. But yeah, so the 12 starts at, wait, was it, is it, was it 700 and 800 or 600 and 700? The iPhone 12 mini starts with special offers at $699. Okay, so it's $700 and $800. Right. So the 12 is the same size as the um, as the 11 is right now, except with slightly narrower bezels. So it's a 6.1-inch display. The iPhone 12 mini is 5.4. Is that it's, accurate? It's, it's 5.4, but it's physically smaller than the iPhone SE. Uh, so yeah, for people who wanted a smaller phone, that's great. Um, but it's, I mean, th- this is one of the things where the bifurcation of the two lines means that if you want the best phone, and I guess that part is kind of subjective where kind of, do you think the feature, like the premium materials and Dolby vision or whatever, the couple of features that have been reserved for the pro actually matter, but you I mean, so, so the small phone that actually fits in your hand pretty well, the mini is going to be relegated to the 12 which is again the the down market phone. Well, but this is but the, I I it, so this the the iPhone lineup which we're kind of getting into now it, in in a lot of ways is a bit of a mess, but I do think the one thing that is clearer now is that I thought last year's situation with the 11 and 11 Pro was so strange where the 11 was sort of the like lower end phone but it had a physically larger screen. But now um, the 12 and the 12 Pro have the same size display. So it really is just... Wait, what? Think, I don't think that's true. Yeah, the, the 12 and the 12 Pro are both 6.1 inches, which is the same size as the iPhone 11 from last year. So the 5.8 which is which has been the size of the 10s and the 11 pro is gone now correct interesting yeah so the so the 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 iphone 10 class phone that screen size no longer exists okay 
So I mean, so broadly across the line, so the, the things that have changed is every phone model is now an OLED screen. Previously, the iPhone 11, which was their mid-range phone, still used um, what was it called, Super LED? Right. Like there was some some name like that for it. Um, and then one thing where the rumors were wrong was that um, every phone has the same um, 5G situation. And Yeah, so all the phones have the same 5G situation, at least in the U.S. It seems like where the rumors may have been getting mixed up is that it, it's starting to sound like phone models for outside the U.S. might not have some of the... Uh, millimeter wave stuff because i guess like in europe and other places that's i mean it's not really a thing in the u.s but it's like even less of a thing in europe so far so it sounds sounds like some of the international phones maybe don't have the same 5g capability that the u.s phones do although that was totally not made clear during the presentation yeah i mean i mean uh... Yeah, the presentation was uh, a bit strange. There were some some guests that were involved, and the whole discussion was, I think it kind of made sense, but th- there was a ton of the presentation was also oddly centered around cameras and photography, because I guess maybe that was the only real difference here because i mean the 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 change that's been made on most of these models is the design language that's been there for the past 3 years ever since the iPhone 10 was announced which is kind of the the glass on both sides and kind of the um like the the stainless steel edges and that whole thing like that that that's been around for a bit so that's finally changing in the same way that you had the iPhone 6 design language stick around for 3 or 4 years um so that's now matching kind of the iPad Pro where there's the the hard edges which so it now looks much more like the iPhone 5 and 5S design so, I mean that that was actually glossed over fairly quickly except for the discussion of the um the ceramic shield thing that Apple did in cooperation with Corning. Do you have anything on that or not really? Not other than seeing a 4X better drop performance on a slide was just kind of funny. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But the one thing, I mean, that kind of, does that apply to both sides? Because the one thing I wasn't clear on is, is the backside of all these phones also glass like it was before? That was not made clear. Yeah. I mean, because that's been the one, kind of weird thing about this generation or like or all the phones that have come out since the iphone 10 which is that the back is also glass for not an entirely clear reason just because you can do wireless charging even if it's not glass but um yeah so yeah so the the difference is across the line you have that design language change where it's now looking like an ipad pro uh every phone has oled screens which is neat uh the one thing that i kind of took note of is just that the nut the just the big ass notch is still there, which I feel like after three years they would have found a way to um reduce or maybe go to like a hole punch design like uh a lot of the other manufacturers have. But yeah, huge notch still there. Um and that goes hand in hand with the fact that there is no touch ID sensor, which I'm not really saying that's the uh like that was a, a, a failure or a divergence from the rumor mill, but I mean, it goes to the same thing that you have uh, uh, recited, like ad nauseum, which is iPhone designs are locked in like 18 to 24 months in advance. So they're not going to be that responsive to the current situation of the day. But I think everybody kind of was holding a hope for it. 
this proves that in a way that I don't think anything else could. Because you have to imagine that Apple would have loved to have Touch ID in these phones. It would have made for like legitimately like a cool story coming out of this event and would have been a really, really useful feature. And I'm I'm positive they considered any and all ways to make that happen. But the fact that it didn't, I think, proves that these phones are not only like done from a design perspective, but are like literally locked in to the point where you cannot make hardware changes to them at least a year in advance, probably longer. Yep. I mean, like it, it, it I, I think the thing was that some people were holding out hope where it, it because just with the size of the home button and things like that, like it feels like it might've been something that you could slot in. So, I mean, I, I get why there was hope that existed for it, but um, yeah, that's what it is. I, I had no hope for it. Um, mostly because of this kind of idea that, I mean, it would, it would have leaked out and, these phone designs are locked in ahead of time. But when the iPad Air had that power button touch ID sensor, that was where I thought like, huh, like maybe that is the type of thing that could kind of sneak through the rumor mill because like the phone wouldn't physically look any different. Um, but, but yeah, no, that, that didn't happen. Yeah. Okay. So there's, so design language changed. Touch ID, Face ID, big ass notch. Um, so yeah, so five G is one of the big new things about these phones. Um, so contrary to the rumors, it does look like all phones are going to have um, both uh, the expanded uh, six hundred megahertz variants of five G, which is kind of like just four G plus, and then the millimeter wave version of five G that is kind of what most people think of as true 5g which is the ultra low latency and very 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 fast stuff that is included on in all the phones the one standout with this is that um apple has on the software side of things uh from like day one uh in- incorporated a feature they've introduced or they've designed called smart data mode where because they understand that 5g is quite power hungry um that it will basically put your phone on lte most of the time and then apps can request 5g access depending on context uh which which is smart um and yeah and the, the one other part and we probably won't get into it too much is just that with this whole event being about high comma speed like a startling amount of the presentation and the feature summary of the phone was based off of 5G, which um, I mean, is interesting for them to bet th- uh, that heavily on it. Well, I, I mean, it it really was the kind of standout feature for these phones. Um, I mean, again, there wasn't a Touch ID story to tell. There, you know, there were improvements to the camera system, which which also ended up being kind of the main differentiator between the non-pro and, and pro lines, which maybe we'll we'll get into. But a lot of that stuff, you know, including things like the native Dolby Vision 
video recording, et cetera, and the the pro uh, Apple Pro Raw stuff, which I, I definitely want to get your take on. Like a lot of that stuff is just not not what most consumers are looking for. So um it kind of left Apple in a position where, you know, outside of the new design language and different screen sizes, 5G was kind of the the main thing to to highlight. Yeah, and then not not to again just be follow out on upgrade, but it maybe sounds like the A14 isn't that much faster than the A13 because normally they would spend 10 minutes of slide comparisons on well graphics on this new processor are the 2.3 times faster and all this kind of stuff and there was not really anything about that there so yeah i guess most of this is going to be wi-fi 6 and 5g as being most of the stuff that makes this phone worthwhile like i don't know like on a personal level where i I, I swore before this came out that I was not going to get the new phone, and I still feel like I'm mostly on that note. But I feel like it, the reason people would want to upgrade to this is going to be from a design perspective and to a lesser extent, depending on how effective Apple and the carriers are at marketing the advantages of 5G. Like Those are the only two reasons to upgrade. Because we'll get into it, but the, the camera situation is, is is very confusing and also... How much utility is there actually in having like a Dolby Pro Vision or Dolby Vision capable camera when people are probably aren't using the right US or uh, HDMI cable to let their thing even display it? Yeah, I don't know. So with with the, with the cameras, um, the eleven, or sorry, the the twelve, the non-pro models kind of follow the same trend that the eleven had, which is that it gets two out of three cameras. So the two cameras it does have is the standard twenty-eight millimeter focal length equivalent standard lens, and you get the ultra wide. Um, and they have made some improvements to the ultra wide because with the eleven pro, I don't know if you've noticed, but whenever you do use that, the picture quality is quite poor. Like the lens is not very good. You'll you'll find that it's kind of blurry detail levels are not there and um the amount of light that it captures is is not great so apparently they've updated that and then on the 12 pro it has all three lenses plus a lidar sensor which the story was that it allows it to focus better because i I feel like apple has kind of stepped away from augmented reality as being the next big thing for a little bit which i feel like is smart because of the other than being like a measuring tape and like Snapchat filters, there hasn't really been a lot there. Yeah, I, th- I thought that feature actually sounded really cool, having better and faster autofocus in low-light situations using the the LiDAR scanner. There's a question as to how well that works and how big of a difference it makes, but assuming that it does, that, that's actually a, a pretty cool use for it. Yeah. But I mean, overall, like, I mean, I don't, like the what what they refer to as the telephoto lens like i will generally on my 11 pro just use digital uh, digital zoom because if you're taking a photo and you ever tap on that 2x thing i don't know if, like if you've noticed or paid attention but the the image quality on that one again the the uh, sensor or not the sensor but the like just the optics of that lens are decidedly worse than the standard wide angle like just like the the default lens so I like I just don't use it that much because just doing a digital zoom on 
the standard lens generally yields better image quality than you'll get with the the uh, telephoto, especially with the fact that now that they've um, identified that the telephoto lens is not required for portrait mode at all. So even though I don't use that feature, um, you can do the simulated portrait mode with even the standard wide angle lens where that that whole third lens is, is kind of irrelevant. Do you end up using it? Not a ton, no. Um, and that actually is one of the very few differences between the Pro and Pro Max outside of just the difference in screen size is that the telephoto lens in the Pro Max is is this is this two steps up or one step up to go from f 2.0 to f 2.2 no, no so so with aperture it's it's better so the the greater amount of light that's captured is is represented by a smaller number so each stop like if you're going down from uh f4 lens to an f 2.8 to an f2 that the lower the number is the more light that's able to be captured but the but the but the, so the pro max has an f-stop of 2.2 in the telephoto lens yes and the pro has an f-stop of two but no but that's because so there is no telephoto on the on the iphone 12 there, there, yeah there's no telephoto at all on the 12 and i'm I'm comparing the, the pro and the pro max because they said in the presentation that the telephoto lens in the pro max is a bit better no, so I think the difference was, and I'm pulling up the page right now, I think is that the telephoto lens on the Pro Max is the equivalent of like a 65 millimeter lens versus the 50 or like 52 that it used to be. So therefore, it's a, uh, um, let me see. Okay, so yeah, so if you go to the specs section of the Apple website, so it says. Um, so I, I just, I sent you the comparison that I'm looking at. So the wide and ultra wide are exactly the same lens, but then the- so yeah, so the f two point two that's worse, but the difference is that um, you the the what is it? Let me see because the Apple website doesn't make this clear. But on the presentation, they did uh, Verge twelve Pro Max camera. Um, Okay, finally, the 12 Pro Max has a longer telephoto lens than the 12 Pro at a 65mm equivalent f2.2 versus a 52mm equivalent f2.0. Apple says that this allows for longer framing in the classic portrait style, and while 65mm isn't a common portrait photo length at all, it's true that it's more conventionally appropriate than 52mm. So to break that down, like the most flattering focal length for portraits is generally 85 millimeters because it's the one that has the least distortion on the face and is generally very, very pleasing, especially for bokeh and stuff in the background. So what they're saying here is that the tel- like that 2X telephoto lens that's generally been in all the cameras since the iPhone um, 7 Plus has been around a 50 millimeter equivalent. So on the Pro Max the actual zoom lens is going to be 65 millimeters. But in terms of like the f-stop and how much light it lets in, it's actually worse. But it that part doesn't really matter. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. 
so yeah so anyway it's like it's it's, so the difference here is the zoom range and this was one thing that just kept gnawing at me that made no sense during the presentation is i kept saying that on the 12 pro max you were going to have basically a 5x optical zoom spread but that makes absolutely no sense because the ultra wide doesn't count because that goes below one like because the standard uh 28 millimeter lens you have you can then move that to 65 and, and you're the numbers guy but so that's uh a 2.3x optical zoom but like you can't like the ultra wide is insanely distorted and only useful in certain situations so you can't use that as a way of saying that that's like because you're going below the number one like that 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 made absolutely no sense but i mean so that's the deal so you have your ultra wide which again i mean i'm sure you've played with it like sometimes it's neat but you generally don't use it fairly often yeah under very very specific circumstances yeah um like if you're trying to make a, big, a room look bigger than it actually is like that's that's the, <laughs> that's the that's the point of that lens and then the like again apple has done amazing things with making the standard lens very 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 good and then the telephoto lens has always been kind of crappy and, and just it was mostly a tool to get portrait mode to work right and then they figured out the same thing that google figured out four years ago is that you can do that background blur without needing to do that and you're still going to have kind of the same level of uh weird situations that make it look really artificial but yeah that the telephoto like it's still there on the pro and the pro max and it's now a slightly nicer focal length on the pro max but it's also still a smartphone camera so who cares i don't know that's where this whole presentation made no sense to me and, and was not really that useful because you're just you can't spend 20 minutes trying to make the public care that you've improved your camera from 1.8 to 1.6 aperture because nobody knows what that means right including me apparently and and every example that they had there was like so like they had this like demo of somebody recording like a, a movie with horses and somehow dolby vision was important in that like none of that made any sense to me or just wasn't that compelling like i I just feel like those are they're illustrating situations that are not relevant to the person who's going to buy the phone like i feel you have to be a certain level of like in-depth creative person for any of the stuff that they showed to be a buying motive right so that, that was all real funky so I guess the, the the biggest thing on the photo stuff, which I briefly mentioned a minute ago that I want to get your take on, is Apple Pro Raw, which they describe as being the best of both worlds between being able to shoot in RAW and have access to all the increased editing capability that that provides you, while also retaining some of Apple's sort of um, image enhancements that they do. Um, it's, so it's not, not a total trade-off between the two. Yeah, I mean, so that seems neat. So, I mean, because like you, you do your fancy cameraing still a bit, right? I, I I do absolutely, yeah. And and you shoot in RAW, right? Of course. Well, I, I do. I I followed your method, and I've got the the two SD cards in there, and one and one does RAW, and one does JPEG. Good. So, yeah, so with that, when you when you look at the RAW image, that's basically taking all the data that the sensor captures, and then you can go into your post processing app and kind of customize it as you want. So, the way that Pro RAW is designed, as far as I can tell, is that like one of the reasons why the iPhone takes such good photos for being a smartphone is that it's able to use machine learning and computational photography and that kind of stuff to 
make on the fly adjustments based off of the different things that it's metering and the situation that it detects. So you kind of get a much more pleasing image out of it. So the iPhone also, as it currently stands, allows you to shoot in RAW, but you kind of, it's a similar thing like when you're using your Sony camera is it's just getting just kind of just the, the somewhat bland, pure sensor data. Where Pro Raw, as the way it was explained in the keynote, is that it also embeds the uh, adjustments that the phone intelligently decides should have been applied to what it was going to spit out as like a JPEG image, in addition to the raw image file format that you could currently choose to shoot with, so that you still have that fine-grained creative control but you also still get to benefit from all that machine learning stuff. So it seems neat. I like I feel like it's going to be fairly proprietary. Like I don't I didn't remember if in the keynote they said like hey Adobe has agreed to incorporate this into Lightroom or something, but I mean it's it's neat. Like that seemed much more interesting than um the the minor improvements to the to the camera sensors. And this is one thing that is exclusive to the 12 pro models even though it is entirely software um a feature and implementation details so it actually it does not have to be held back at all but that is one thing that and the dolby vision thing are things they're choosing to be exclusive to this phone model yeah i i did not realize that apple pro raw was a pro phone only feature until looking at this comparison page i don't remember if they made that clear during the presentation or not yeah, because because that's the thing where between I mean I guess to round this out, which is between the twelve and the twelve pro, is that the there's not a lot of differences in the phones other than because because OLED was previously one of the, the differences where the eleven didn't get the nicest quality screen, so now it's more of a materials difference where you get like a stainless steel band on the outside of the twelve pro and you get some different colors. Um, where like it feels like they kind of reserve gold uh, like a space gray silver and gold as the pro colors and then you kind of get the the prop the product red and the more fun colors as like the the mid-range line so like yeah i mean there's not a whole lot different about the phones other than these strictly software features i mean the lidar thing and the third lens is about it because both phone models support the the MagSafe thing, right? Right. Yeah. Oh, and, and I guess that's the last thing that we haven't talked about, which is they're bringing back the MagSafe name, and they are introducing their own wireless charger that looks like basically like a gigantic Apple Watch charger, and a bunch of random accessories which attract uh, which att- um uh stick on with magnets. How do they work? And yeah, I don't know. Weird, weird gear. Yeah, no, I think I think your summary of pointing out that there's just not a lot of difference between the phones is absolutely spot on. Uh, it, particularly when you get into the pro versus non-pro phones. I mean, obviously you've got the different screen sizes, but like in the case of the iPhone 12 and 12 Pro, there you actually have exactly the same screen size, 6.1 across both phones. And in terms of articulating the differences between the two, it's it's kind of tough. Like it's, you know, 
telephoto lens versus no telephoto lens is is probably the easiest thing to to point out um you know different finishes on the phone fewer color options on the pro model um which by the way the the i continue to think that's a bummer that apple relegates the pro phones to having a more limited um amount of colors but the only solace i took this year is that while there is a green phone option on the non it's a dismal shade of green like all of the other colors are really cool they're really bright they look really nice and for some reason the green is just this pastel color which none of the other ones are but that's kind of the way the current generation iphone 11 was where all of them were just kind of like remember when they sent out that invite where it just looked like shades of like sea glass right all of the models look like that but that's what that's why it doesn't make sense on the 12 is that they fixed that for all the colors except for green yeah fair but anyway that's good for me because it would it would have bummed me out if if it was a super cool green color on the non-pro phone yeah because with the pro you have like so you have your standard like dark gray which uh they've now renamed graphite so space gray is is feels like it's it's maybe a johnny ivera thing and that's going away um there's that garish gold color like i i do not care for that at all and then pacific blue meh like i, I don't it looks okay like yeah but it's not i don't know it's 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 the midnight green of blue which was it's very muted to the point where it doesn't even no oh, don't love it yeah anyway we'll see so wait, so what so what have you already pre-ordered or what what are you about ready to you're just gonna space gray it? So I, I can't I can't pre-order anything now because none of them are on on Oh on that's the part I, I totally tuned out with. So when is any of the shipping? So you can pre-order this this is where it gets really weird. So you can pre-order the twelve and twelve pro this Friday, and they ship starting next Friday. But then with the 12 Pro Max and the 12 Mini, those you can't pre-order until like early November. I think it's November 6th, and then they ship the week after that. So basically, the 6.1-inch phone, that's shipping next week, but then the small phone and the big phone are shipping in November. But why wouldn't you just let everybody pre like just everybody pre-orders beginning this Friday or whatever, and then they ship when they ship? It's it's very strange. Um, but I will be in November. I will be pre-ordering a Graphite Twelve Pro Max. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I I, I hope you enjoy it. I. I <laughs> I don't know. Weird year. I also do they do they disclose what the prices are going to be on the two fifty six? Because that that that's I get that's our last difference we'll talk about, which is instead of starting at sixty four, they now start at one twenty eight. But I assume they probably didn't reduce the price of the two fifty six. I uh, no, I don't. I don't <laughs> think so. Of course. Yeah. Um. And just lastly, I don't I don't see this thing of where Jason, uh, like based off on upgrade, they were talking about like something about some thirty dollar discount. I don't see that here. Um. So on the twelve 
and 12 mini. So it's not a thing on the pro model. Oh, because that's what I'm looking at. Okay. Yeah. The $30 off on, I think it's AT&T and T-Mobile only applies to the 12 mini and the 12. Hmm. So those prices that you see, the six ninety nine and seven, or the six ninety nine and um, seven ninety nine, are only applicable if you're on AT and T or T Mobile for those two phones. Interesting. Interesting. That's that's a weird. That's for thirty dollars. That made that there's a layer there's a layer of complexity and abstraction that seems unnecessary. Right. Also, the one thing with the twelve mini is that you can't get it in a five twelve. If you're somebody who is making the compromise and thinking I want it, I want the small phone, but I still want kind of the the best I can get. So right. So what what does that what does that start at? Does that start at one twenty eight or sixty four? No, those are sixty four, one twenty eight, two fifty six. Got it. Uh, but it's still similar to the iPhone eleven, which is always kind of a weird thing. I mean, like it's good for it's a good value, but that there was only a fifty dollar difference to double the storage space from sixty four to one twenty eight. So, but yeah, so it's six ninety nine, or sorry, seven twenty nine, seven seventy nine, or eight seventy nine. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't care for any of this. Like, it, it feels like a year where they didn't really have that much to report, and therefore they're leaning super hard into five G and some camera differences that nobody's going to care about. But they got to do what they got to do. So, yeah. All right, wrap this up. Yeah, let's do it. Um, right. what you got? So I'll send you the thing in the thing. Um, oh dear. Wait. So what? I, so I purchased another Apple Watch band. So the, the the leather link band is still on order, but the the band that I have received is the Cypress Green Sport Band. So this is the same color that I ordered in my Sport Loop, but this is this is the traditional Sport Band. Um. Which, by the way, this is the band that uh, Tim Cook was wearing in the presentation. So he's he's also evidently a a big Cypress Green fan, as am I. Um, you know, there's not not a lot to say about the sport band. I mean, this band's been around since the original Apple Watch, but there have been many shades of green over over the years with with Apple Watch bands, and this is by far and away the best shade of green they've come out with. It's really, really nice. So I, I, I'm now going, once I get my replacement sport loop, I will have two different bands in this color. That's how much I like it. Hmm. Um, the, th- the thing that we missed, um, by the way, is that there is another color they've come out with. It's, that's kind of a different sort of green. Cactus? Cactus. Oh, the Tim K one. Yeah. Oh, well, actually, Kalanick might be an Android guy, but yeah. That looks like more like a sea green. I'm not really getting cactus vibes out of this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is is the Cypress green, like I know, because I know it's tough to get color right over the web. Does it look like, like a nice like forest green? What's, what's, what would you most closely compare it to? A darker forest green. Hmm. So I guess it, it, in some ways it's, similar to the midnight green iphone where at first you wouldn't even necessarily think it was green you might think it was like a dark gray but then when you look at it in the the right light or a little bit closer that's where you can tell it's green which makes it a really good everyday band cool all right um i actually kind of i think i already gave mine 
away earlier in the episode. So I will just remind people about that. Um, America, the beautiful national park pass. I think that's the, the best thing I have for, for folks right now through the end of the year. Yeah. Just recreate and vacation responsibly.